0: What's up, guys? Welcome to the first podcast of Drive and Protect. I'm Larry from AmmoNYC.com, and I'm super stoked. This is uh, this is something I've wanted to do for a long time. And uh, before we get into all of uh, the topics and things we're going to talk about, I wanted to do a brief overview just so you guys have an idea of what this is all about. You know, roughly how long it's going to take, and we'll go over that uh, real briefly. So. Right off the bat, obviously, this is a car detailing podcast, but we're going to mix in a ton of car industry news, and um, we're going to interview a lot of people. But primarily, it's for the car nerd that wants to um, either you're in the business or you want to be in the business or you're a weekend warrior or you're just someone who loves their car and wants to clean it um, and get a perspective from um, a fellow nerd that's uh, doing this daily. So um, let's go over this briefly. The way I want to set this up is we're going to have a main topic, meaning for example, today's uh, today's uh, topic is going to be uh, microfiber towels. I just love microfiber towels. In fact, we shot um, a really cool episode for Drive Clean. We just shot 13 episodes for Drive Clean, um, and they're coming out soon. But one of them uh, talks about uh, the top five uh, products in the detailing industry that have changed the industry forever. And uh, w- one of my topics, I won't tell you which one it is, which number it is, but one of them is microfiber towels. So I want to chat a little bit about that and the history and where it all comes about. So every week we're going to have some sort of uh, main thing to talk about. It's not going to be, um, you know, for three hours or anything like that, but enough where you you have, uh, you know, a starting foundation to, to chat about it and make decisions um, with your car or, or, you know, or your business. And then what we're going to try to do is interview fellow detailers or business owners, car wash owners, or somebody in the industry that can shed light um, on whatever the respective topic we're talking about, whether it's polishers or, you know, uh, compounds or something else, or just somebody that I want, you know, some random person that we want to talk to, uh, that's in the car world. We're going to do that. So that's going to be the main sort of thing. And then I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping, uh, you know, maybe weekly or biweekly, we're going to feel this out because this is the first podcast. So I'm hoping to get some, uh, po- positive feedback from, from people and, and constructive criticism, if you will. Uh, we're going to have, uh, some people come on in particular, we're gonna have Mike Musto today who. By the way, I'm sure um, a lot of you know from Bull Run, uh, you know, Mr. Angry. That's like his uh, his company's name, and he uh, is a very, very dear friend of mine. Oh, and even more important than that, he's the uh, he's the host of Big Muscle on the Drive channel, uh, which is shooting, uh, I think, 20 or 24 episodes this season. Uh, and he is super; he's doing really, really well with that show. So uh, we're gonna have him on. He's gonna talk about um, you know muscle car culture and what's going on with that. I'm sure we're gonna yap about some other things just because. Um, I'm not sure if I've said this yet, but Mike, Mike was in, you know, at my wedding and, uh, I pretty much, no, I, I actually talked to him probably once a day, if not more, um, maybe twice a day, uh, just, to, cause he used to live in Queens and, you know, I'm in New York and now he moved to, to the West coast. So, uh, you know, I don't get to see him as much. So we, we chat on the phone. So it's going to be fun. I'll have him come in he'll give the, uh, the driving culture a bit, you know, specifically on muscle cars and we'll yap about some other things, I'm sure. So we're going to have some fun interviews with that. And then, um, what I'd like to do at the end of each episode is go through, uh, my Facebook page and start answering a lot of questions, it's even emails. I get a ton of emails and a ton of, uh, Facebook traffic, but we're going to, I'm going to read specifically off the Facebook page and grab questions. And we're going to call it our detailing dilemma section. And we're going to answer, um, you know, as many as I can hammer out. And hopefully, uh, if I have a guest on and he, uh, and he hangs in there for, you know, 30 minutes or whatever this podcast is going to be, uh, he'll help me, uh, hammer out some of these questions so that's kind of the overview of what's going to go on we'll throw in some tech tips and we'll talk about last week's video on my um youtube channel my personal one the nyc.com. um but we'll go over lots of stuff it'll be fun it'll be short the reason why i did this um to be brutally honest is when i'm detailing a car i like to kind of be uh i don't know like most people i like to be left alone and kind of focus on what i'm doing and the big thing is i wear headphones and i have my my ipod not my iPod, my iPhone. And I like to listen to Pandora and I like to listen to podcasts. And specifically I listen to the TST, the smoking tire, Matt Farah. I'm sure you guys know Matt, um, Matt and I knew, I've known each other since seventh grade. We went to school together, you know, hung out in college. And I've known him for 20 plus years. So, uh, he's been super helpful getting me into this whole podcasting thing. Um, so I went on his podcast and had a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll get him on here, and we'll uh, we'll talk about a lot of fun stuff. So, let's jump right into it today before we talk to Mike. And one of my biggest things that I love about uh, I love about detailing is the advancements that have been made um, in the last couple of years, or or maybe even decades, I should call it, but uh, have been just unbelievable. And one of the episodes of Drive Clean, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna read you the, the episodes that we just shot, thirteen of them, um, and again they're coming out soon. Hopefully, uh, somebody's going back and want, and listening to this podcast, and we're up to podcast five hundred or something, this will uh, this will be outdated. But until then, um, the first, well, I'm not sure what uh, how we're gonna air these. But one of the episodes is a PPI, which is a pre-purchase inspection. Um, because uh, newsflash, well, Matt already Matt already said it on his podcast, but I just bought a, a Porsche nine six four, which was my sort of my dream car that I've been tracking down for many, many years and, and kind of working weekends to save money up for it. And I finally got it. So a PPI with pre-purchase inspection and we do it on that car, which is cool. And it's, it's pretty damn real. Like, so I'm kind of sweating a little bit cause I want to make sure the car is in, in good shape. Um, then we got, have a rim, rim episode. W- what happens when it's scuffed or dinged or dent or, you know, things like that. We go to a factory um, near me, uh, performance industries and we see what they do. And it's unbelievable. I mean, these, these guys are really artists, so I'm kind of cool about that. We talk about dents. We talk about touch-ups, clear bras, window tints. Man, the guy who does the window tints, man, it's uh, it's not as easy as you think. Window tints are uh, pretty intense along with the uh, clear bra guy. He's a uh, pretty talented dude, so that's going to be fun. I have top five detailing tools uh, that have changed the industry, which is uh, something I'm really excited about. Uh, how to remove swirls from black paint, black paint. Uh, you know that's like number one topic. So we talk about that more importantly, we talk about the machines um, that are actually used to restore the paint and what are the differences and how do they come up from, you know, rotary all the way up to, you know, forced, uh, forced rotation. And we talk about how they progress. And I think the more that you understand the history of it, you can figure out, Oh, okay, this makes sense. And, and basically it's sort of follows the flow of paint Meaning the evolution of how paint has evolved from single stage to double stage to really hard to ceramic coating, all these crazy things. So that's a fun episode. Then in the middle, um, we have a Porsche barn find. Now this one was interesting because it wasn't really part of our season. We weren't. We had no idea. I was actually shooting the season, and then this thing popped up because I have a regular job, and my regular job is detailing. And this particular uh, nine twelve, uh, as it turns out, a Porsche nine twelve popped up and hadn't been driven since 1990 had been sitting in a garage for I don't even know how many years that is 20 something years. And, uh, I go in and restore it. And I think you guys are going to love it. I just, that was a really fun video. And we did that more documentary style. Um, there really wasn't a script or anything cause it was literally got a phone call and was driving up. And I said, turn the cameras on. I know we're filming drive clean, but, um, I like everything organized and you know, I'm a little OCD. So this one was off the cuff. So it's kind of fun. We do a, a, a dirt bike or a motorcycle, cleaning episode of a really dirty ktm uh three uh 350 which is just a ridiculous bike it's so cool do some engine detailing uh, on the gt40 which is nice interior detailing and some uh, glass cleaning tips um which uh, you know it's like the ocd crazy person way to clean glass so anyways that's the 13 episodes that we shot for drive clean that are coming out soon we're in editing um but to go back to my point microfiber towels we talked about that in one of the episodes specifically and i'm just a I'm just a crazy person about microfiber i think it's um, i really think it's changed the industry because uh, I remember back in when I first started like way 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 you know when i was i don't even know when i first got, when I was sixteen I got my first car I used to dry the car with a terry towel and I had these white beautiful really soft terry towels and I realized um, you know the car was white and it was a, a mustang an eighty nine mustang but uh you know you couldn't really see the scratches and i, I to be honest with you, I was ignorant. I couldn't really tell. And I didn't know that I was doing harm to the car. So it's kind of funny to look back on something like that. Um, but anyways, let's let's go into the microfiber it was basically, um, there's arguments back and forth in there. They're not really arguments, but some people say they were, it was um, created uh, in the 1960s in Japan. Some people say in 1980s in the UK. Some people say 1990s in Sweden. But nonetheless, um, I would probably tend to believe that in 1960s, uh, the Japanese are working on um, creating synthetic fiber. So microfiber is a synthetic fiber, which means it's created um, by man. It's not uh, it's not like cotton where you have to farm it or cultivate it or whatever. Um, so this is all made in a factory, which is kind of cool because you know, you're know you not really dependent on raw materials. Um, so that that's my, that's my little uh, business manufacturing background coming in like, ooh, you know, there's not gonna be massive price fluxu- fluctuations. I'm sure there is, but um, it's not like some... Uh, you know, detailing products that are oil-based or silicone-based or a distillate of, of some sort of silicone. And, you know, the price of oil goes up, so does all the raw materials, which is a pain in the butt. So that's a little background from a manufacturing standpoint. But anyways, uh, Japanese basically wanted to create um, a new fiber for, um, it, it, you know, in some of the things that I'm reading, it talks about uh, a clothing line. And essentially, if you make microfiber into, in this particular clothing line was swimwear, so they could swim faster, um, that's a really bad, uh, that's a huge failure. <laughs> um, uh, if you, if you can imagine, if you dunk microfiber towel into water and you pick it up, it's like 50 times heavier. Why? Because it's absorbent, which is what we want as detailers, but certainly not if you're Michael Phelps, it's not going to help. So, um, it's funny to think how massive failures, uh, have changed the industry and, and their respective industry. Think about post-it notes, post-it notes. I'm, I don't know the facts on it, but ba- I, from what I understand, a guy tried to make like the stickiest thing in the world and ended up making a really crappy, sticky product, but it turned out to be post-it notes, which I would imagine is a hundred million dollar, if not more, um, business and everybody in their desk has a post-it note. And, you know, he tried to make something that was really sticky and made something that wasn't, but, you know, changed it around and, you know, was creative with it. So anyways, that's how I kind of think of microfiber as it started off as, you know, it's supposed to be swimwear or clothing or something. And clearly, um, not really true. So, Essentially, it came from Japan and then it kind of moved over to the UK in the 80s and then kind of moved over to Sweden in the 90s. And it all, you know, from swimwear, it came. It basically came to textiles. People say, hey, oh, my God, this thing is so heavy. It's, you know, it's absorbent and it's got this really great cleaning power. Let's put it into textiles, meaning towels and all the stuff that you use in the bathroom. So it kind of flourished in there. And then um, reportedly in basically in the early 2000s or mid 2000s, um you remember the old rubbermaid company they uh they took it you know they imported it into america and basically made everybody you know gave, gave everybody a heads up that this is a great cleaning product um and then from there it went went crazy so some reports of 2001 some reports of 2007 but basically in the 2000s so my point of me saying this is it hasn't been around forever and ever and ever um this is kind of a newer um thing that we uh, our product that we have to to baby our cars. So I'm, I'm really excited about exploring that. Now I read somewhere that this guy, Ira Sutton said, uh, if you take a 16 by 16 microfiber towel and you pull out all the fibers and in theory or theoretically you put them together, you can string, um, you can have a, a single piece, a continuous string from Miami to Anchorage, Alaska, which is, you know, bonkers to think about, but that's, that's why it's called microfiber. It's, it's, it's the one sixtieth the size of a human, size hair which is thinner than most silks so that's that's something to think about um and then uh, one of the big things is what it's made of and i've done a bunch of research into this as well and most microfibers there's some that have like mixtures you know when you buy hot dogs it's not just whatever meat it's a bunch of meat mixed together um which is kind of gross to think about by the way but uh microfiber is basically made of polyester and polyamide polyester, polymide. Some of them have some other mixtures, so I'm not going to say that, that that's all that, that, that's in there. But essentially, when you pick up a microfiber towel, you see little ta- the little tag, which, by the way, you have to pull off. Otherwise, you're going to scratch the paint. Um, polyester is really good at scrubbing, meaning removing or rubbing. Let's just leave it that, uh, at that. Polyamide is really good at absorbing um, or it's, it's, it soaks up water. So the combination of the two makes it so good at picking up things, you know, for microfiber towel, picking up wax is is kind of the, a big deal. And there's different piles and different heights and things like that, but when you read when you read one of the the uh the tags, it'll say 80/20. When I when I see, whenever I talk about in the future, hey, it's an 80/20. 80/20 means 80% polyester, 20% polyamide. So it's really good at scrubbing and um, you know, halfway decent at absorbing and we'll get into that in a minute but it'll go 75 25 and then it'll go all the way up to 70 30 so 70% polyester which is the scrubbing and 30% polyamide so as you go up a little bit it'll become more absorbent so just be heads up when you're reading the labels and understanding hey if it's 80 20 that means it's really good at scrubbing and halfway decent at, at picking up water if it's 70 30 you know it's it's good at scrubbing but it's even better at absorbing so it it's something you need to be aware of but also calculated into that is the, the height, the pile height of the microfiber and the, you know, the edges, are the edges, um, you know, do they have silk around the edges? Are they not? There's, there's a million things you need to think of, but that kind of leads us into how do you distinguish between the microfiber towels? And of course, you know, they've created a acronym or whatever, um, a way to measure and that's GSM, which is, uh, grams per square meter. And what that means is they actually measure, uh, you know the the weight it's basically measuring the weight of the microfiber towel it's not that complicated but um, it goes everywhere anywhere from 200 gsm to 600 gsm now as a detailer this is all just tons of information and at the end at the end of this i'll give you my actual opinion as to how i sort of weave through all these things but i think it's important to kind of go through the history so you can you're talking to a customer or just yourself you want to speak intelligently about um microfiber and i you know it's just You know, the end of the, the, if we had to jump to the end of the story, basically microfiber is unbelievable and it's amazing, but it's important to understand the background. So um, right off the bat, obviously it's going to cost more than terry towels because it's the manufacturing costs more, just like products, just like cars, just like, I don't know, anything in life, if it's going to be that much better and that much more handmade or scientifically this, or um, just like some of the products I tell people, Hey, some of the products are more expensive because it's not what's in them. It's what's not in them. Sometimes it's harder to refine things than to just make it the way that they are. So, hopefully, that resonates w- with you a little bit. So, sometimes things are going to be more expensive because they're harder to make. So, uh, clearly, terry, uh, microfiber is going to be more than, than, than terry towels. But the big thing is, how do you determine if a microfiber towel is any good? And so, the first one right off the bat is GSM. So, the grams per, um, he's what I say, grams, uh, per square meter. Thank you. And the next one is, I, here's the, it's a, I don't know if it's documented or not, and you may think I'm a little bit crazy, but I take a microfiber towel, and the first thing I do is I have really rough hands just because I, I work, you know, every day with my hands. And so what I do is if it's a new towel, I'll just, I'll just lay my hand on top of the microfiber towel, and if, if I feel this sticky, like it's as if it's just grabbing onto my little, like, cuts and things that I have on my hands, then I can kind of tell. Then my second test is, and my wife thinks I'm completely insane because I do this with pads as well, um, um, foam pads is what I'll do is I'll rub it against my lips. I know that sounds weird, but my lips, everybody's lips are really sensitive. And I've sort of created I a, a, uh, I don't know, a foundation or whatever. So I, I know I can basically tell the PPI of a pad just by rubbing it on my lips. And whether it's soft or hard or if it's I'm going to use it on the paint, it comes with experience. But I think if you start, maybe I shouldn't be recommending this, but uh, if you start doing something like that and creating a foundation for yourself over time, you'll be like, "Oh, this one feels softer than this one. It, it reacted like this to this type of paint." So that's that's kind of the we're going off on a tangent here, but that's kind of the thing with detailing. It's uh, uh, it's kind of it's never cookie cutter. Everything is always different. Paint could be soft, paint could be hard, and then you know some foams are, are harder than others. Sometimes you get a consistent foam, sometimes you don't. So, anyways, um, that's kind of one of the ways that I I, uh, I, I test the microfiber towels, but the reason why it's so sticky is what it's what they call split fiber. So when they're in the manufacturing process, they actually, you know, microscopically, or I I don't know what it is, but they do something in the manufacturing that splits the fibers that actually makes it sticky. And if you feel a microfiber towel, that's not that sticky. um, You know, that's, that's something to consider. I I, I don't want to say that non-sticky microfiber towels aren't good because there's different types of microfiber towels. There's high pile, there's medium pile and there's low pile. And one of my videos I talked about, um, what was it, the uh, the glass cleaning video, we went through a couple of the different types of towels. And in particular, the low microfiber towel is really great for cleaning glass. And then there's a waffle weave, uh, which is also really good for scrubbing. And then there's the medium pile, which I like to use for random cleanings like the, uh, the wiper blades or maybe the door jams. And then there's the high pile. And the higher the pile, the better that is for something like Spray wax. Where if you you know you take a car out or whatever and you want to spray wax a car, if you put spray wax on there and you wipe it with a high microfiber towel, really soft, really cushiony, it's gonna it's gonna pull off all the dust and it's gonna be great. But if you were to take that high microfiber towel and try to remove wax with it, you'll see. And I should probably shoot a video on this, but um, you'll see that when you try to remove, you know, sealant or wax or whatever that's on the car, the towel is gonna be really sloppy i call it it just it doesn't want to pick it up because it's so cushiony it's kind of like um i don't know it's like kind of laying in bed and having like maybe three or four maybe three feet worth of spring so if you were to jump on the bed it just bounces all over the place and you can't really settle in i'm not sure if that's the right analogy but basically your hand is sitting on so much foam so much foam so much cushion and microfiber it you can't really pull it off so what i'm saying is the lower the microfiber pile um is really good for removing wax. If you go too low, then it becomes a window towel. If you go too high, it becomes a spray wax removal. That's kind of the inside little thing that's going on, in, you know, the detailers that are in the high-end world and doing all the stuff and we chat. That's kind of that's kind of where we're at with it. So sometimes I see, you know, a lot of guys, oh, I'm gonna buy the $50 microfiber towel because it's got 600 gsm and there's actually ones now 700 800 somebody told me there was 1100 gsm i don't even that's like a uh think of it like uh you know when they they shoot the bears or whatever and they put the bear skin rug down and they have you know three inches worth of pile and it's big cushiony or you know couches in the 70s like <laughs> there's nothing you can do with that i don't I don't know what i don't even know maybe it's maybe it's a beach towel or something i have no idea but here, here's the bottom line when you're picking a microfiber towel you got to pick the towel for what the job is that you're doing. So low microfiber towel, uh, low pile microfiber is best for glass or maybe some interior type things. Um, Medium is good for like door jams and cleaning windshield wiper blades off and cleaning things where you're going to get it kind of dirty and you're not going to introduce it to the paint. Uh, I would say medium to high is great uh, for, for removing wax. So, Medium, medium to high. And again, I'm being a little bit vague because each manufacturer of, of microfibers, you know, they vary from size. It's kind of like buying clothes. It's not all, all size sevens aren't size sevens. You know, sometimes they're a little bit big, sometimes a little bit small. So basically medium is really good for removing of wax. The high, really high pile um, is good for removing spray wax. So what I try to do is I like to sh- stay right in the middle. 200 is too low for me. 600 is way too high for me. Um, I'm right about 300, 325 to 360 is where I like to keep most of my microfiber towels. The rest I have as stragglers that I'll use for dirty areas or glass or whatever. Um, but think 325, 360, 300 right in there is, uh, is kind of the big, um, thing. And so uh, one of the other tests, sorry, I went off on a tangent is, uh, they have a light test where you can hold up to the light and see, um, if you can see through it i don't really do that to be honest with you there's a stretch test we can see you know how much it it stretches and when you when you wash it which we're going to talk about before we get into mike uh it's going to shrink a little bit too so and then uh yeah so the absorbency the sunlight test the the uh rub it on your lips which sounds really weird but all these kind of tests but at the end at the end of the day look for about 80 20 is a good 80 percent polyester 20 percent polyamide and, um, I like to go a little bit bigger than 16 by 16, anything smaller than that. I just can't, I, I got big hands. I can't, you know, 14 by 14 just doesn't really work for me. 16 by 16 is as low as I go. I like 16 by, uh, 27, uh, is usually, or 28 is usually the right size for me. So that, that's, that's my, uh, style. All right. So now you have microfiber towels, you have a pretty good rundown. It's not, it's not everything, but it gives you a good idea. What about the maintenance of them? A lot of people have emailed me, "Hey, how do I maintain the towels?" Well, number 1 and it's kind of the the one that slips past everybody cuz everybody kind of knows you don't use powder or whatever, but the number one thing is you don't put them in with terry towels or anything else. You want to keep microfiber towels together. Now, if you put them in with the terry towels, what's going to happen is that the the terry is going to come apart which they which they normally do. So when you wash it, you know, when you or you dry it, you have to go into the the lint area that's always full. When you're when you're doing microfiber towels and you dry them, um, we'll talk about how to dry them. But there's not going to be anything in the lint trap. So that kind of signifies, hey, terry towels release tons of stuff and those little lint balls everywhere, and microfiber doesn't. So that's kind of my little example as to how one releases another. But if you put the terry with the microfiber, it's I don't want to say it's shot, but you're going to spend you know turn the TV on, sit in front of the TV, and you're going to have to be picking off these little things for 20 minutes. Um, and it's kind of a waste of time and money. So number one, separate the towels, keep all the microfiber towels together, all the terries together and all the window towels together and whatever else you're using, which I'm not really sure what else you'd be using, but maybe you have like really dirty rags if you have a mechanic shop or something, but, um, and I wash them in order, meaning the most sensitive ones, like the microfiber, those go first, because if you put the terry towels in, you got to make sure that you really wash down the, the, the washing machine after that. Otherwise, it's just going to be a mess if you put the microfiber towels back in. You're going to be washing the microfiber in in the, all the nastiness that should be in the Terry towels. If you follow my logic there, so there's a progression of of how to wash it. So number one, keep them separate. Number two, you don't want to use powder detergent. Sometimes that powder doesn't dissolve, and then you you end up um, scrubbing it down on your paint. Is that often? Not really. But you know you want to use Tide or whatever liquid um, detergent, and you should be good. Number two, once you're done with all that stuff, you pull it out and you throw it in the in the, in the dryer. I made like the, such a bonehead mistake the other day. Cause I just was doing 50 other things. I left it on high heat and basically burned my microfiber towel. So I got to take a picture of that and show you to you. What happens is the, the, the uh, polyester just, um, as if you were to burn, if you just burn polyester, if you ever see it, it turns into these little uh, balls basically, and it doesn't really pick anything up. So all those little fibers that were, um, catching my hands that I was using before and, and touching and grabbing onto my lips. I know that's weird. Um, it, it, you will feel it. it just won't do anything. It'll just roll right off because now they're just little burnt balls. Um, so, uh, so yeah, use low heat, no heat's even better. Letting it air dry is great, but I mean, who the heck has time for that? So um, make sure you do that. The Terry towels doesn't matter. You can, you can get those as hot as you, you possibly uh, as you want. So that, that's kind of the, uh, the rundown of microfiber towels. Now we'll pick a subject every, um, I don't know how often I'll do this depending on the demand. If people are actually listening, um, I, uh, I will do a topic like this to, uh, what my wife would say at nauseam and, uh, we'll get all nerdy about it, but that's uh, kind of an overview of microfiber towels. The quick bottom line is 300 to 360 is where I like to keep them. Uh, I like 16 by 28 or 27 depends on, you know, how often you wash it or whatever. I like the bigger towels, fold them into floors. You're good to go. Um, and that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of the bottom line so let's uh let's make a quick transition here and let's talk to mike musto as i said he's one of my closest friends in the world and we'll uh kind of lighten the topic a little bit and talk about car culture move into that and see what he's up to and hear about big muscle and and just keep up with him because he's a super cool guy so let's patch him in right now all right we're here with mike musto aka big muscle aka what what else are you called sexy man or something
1: no no nobody says that and i'd appreciate it <laughs> if they would refrain from ever saying that
0: well, you you know him from Bull Run and of course Big Muscle, and um, like I said before, he's our uh, I don't know what we're what are we calling you You're the correspondent to uh, to drive and protect the, uh, the yes I would
1: say the a, a consultant slash correspondent slash consuliere
0: <laughs> why do I feel a bill a bill in the mail I feel when I go to because the mail because there's one one that's going to be coming shortly <laughs> yeah so tell me how is the uh, how are the uh, Big Muscle episodes coming along.
1: They're, they're going good, dude. We actually just filmed our first two episodes down in um, uh, Orange County. Uh, filmed with a great, great 66 uh, Chevelle that is just done by this gentleman by the name of Enzo Gonzalez. Wonderful car that he built kind of around his family, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. He's got three little boys and uh, just a wonderful car. Then the, we did the a... black one I saw I, on Facebook? What?
0: Is that the black one I saw on Facebook?
1: It's the black one you saw on Facebook, yes. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Um, just a cool car then we did a a 1931 ford rat rod now most people think of rat rods and they think of you know just a pile of crap or whatever this was so not i mean the frame rails were you know were made of old municipal light poles from los angeles county and they act as resonators for the exhaust and it's got you know this old tractor motor this straight six tractor motor that puts out 1600 pound feet of torque i mean it's just it was it's great. So we, we've we got some amazing, amazing things on the horizon. And this was just kind of the kickoff. When so. is
0: it? When do they uh, when do you guys start airing?
1: I have no clue. People I keep would asking love to me say like, I have an idea
0: coming. I say I have no idea either. We both have we're clueless as to when these things air.
1: Yeah, seriously. No, no clue. So just film, film, film. But we don't know when we're going to air it. So whatever, you know,
0: now, how many do you have in the bag as of today?
1: I have two, but in the next three weeks, I'll have nine. Yikes. So it's like, you know, we, we got to get some stuff going because, you know, we, we want to make sure that everything is going the right way and that we can air these things and that people are going to enjoy them.
0: And you shot that in L.A. and you drove down in the battle wagon.
1: Yeah, we actually shot one in San Francisco or one in uh, um, Hollywood and Beverly Hills. And then the other one was actually down a little farther in uh, San Diego. Um, but, yeah, we actually we drove the battle wagon down. And for those who don't know what the battle wagon is, it's. It's our film rig. It's a 1992 Chevy Capri station wagon. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's <laughs> pimp. It's just pimp. It's got the rear seat, which is the, you know, the tailgarner seat where we've, you know, put the camera guy and he shoots out the back. And then, um, you know, the engine is just a 5.7 liter Chevy 350. I mean, it's pretty bulletproof, but the biggest problem was we actually drove down there. Everything was going fine. Spent the full day, just kind of scouting locations. Then when we stopped, we noticed that the, like antifreeze was just pissing all over the floor. Um, So the water pump went. So fortunately had to rent a minivan and shoot out of that. And then I found a great little mechanic down in LA and he fixed the car. So we're back in action and I'm assuming it was just, we're going to chalk it up to teething problems for big muscle right now. And that's it.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, when I talk to people, uh, I, actually, on a side note, when I go to a car show or whatever now because of the show, people will say, hey, the drive-clean guy. The second question they a- ask is, hey, do you know Mike Musto? And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> God, I hate that guy. I'm He's like, such a prick. I know Mike. Mike was at my wedding. I talked to him at least once. Once a day on the phone, oh, my God, that's so cool. Have you driven and, you know, I saw you driving his muscle car. It's weird to see. I think see. that's it's
1: hilarious because, like, I'll go to car shows and no one says a goddamn word to me. People <laughs> just, like, like, no one knows who I am. They just walk by, which is fine. I mean, it's kind of nice having some anonymity, but.
0: Yeah, that, I think they see the spiky hair and they go, like, wait, I think, I, aren't you the, the car wash guy? That's what I yeah, the car, yeah, I'm, I'm the car wash guy. But the, seriously, the, the next question is, you know, do you hang out with the other guys on the, I was like, well, I hang out with Mike and I went. Through. Yeah. High school with Matt or whatever, but um, I, I think uh, I always laugh every time I, I get that. But the point of what I was saying is, I, I don't think people sometimes understand how much goes into these episodes. It's like it's bonkers—the uh, behind the scenes and the writing and the cars breaking down and the renting. Dude, and-
1: people have have no clue. I mean, I think that you know a lot of people look at what we do and they'll they say, okay, well, this is just. You know, they're probably out there with, like, an iPhone and a tripod, and it's Mm -hmm. that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, we have – first of all, we have hours upon hours of research, hours upon hours of pre-production work, hours upon hours of –
0: got to find the cars. That's the hardest part sometimes. Like, you're scouring the internet for a car.
1: Well, not only do you have to find the cars, but then you have to convince the people to let you drive them, (laughs) you know? So it's like – I mean, you guys out there that don't – that aren't like – try think of it like this, right? you've got your girlfriend you you love her you've been with her for years and years she's really hot right car guys think of their cars the same way and then you've got a guy that comes around and goes hey your girlfriend's really hot i want to drive her <laughs> now what is your comment you're obviously you're gonna be like yeah that's not happening yeah however there are those guys that are a little freaky and they're gonna be like well yeah that's all right i'll, I'll let you do that
0: as long as you film it <laughs> as long as you film
1: it yeah and put it on youtube obviously yeah um, so, but the cool part is, you know, we've got a great reputation. Um, we truly baby these cars. I mean, the owners are there with us every step of the way watching everything that's going on. And it's, it's just, it's a fun event for not only us to film, but for the owners to get them involved. It's, it's really a lot of fun. But, I mean, oh, my God, is it a lot of work. It, it, it's
0: a ton of work. And I think, um, I know, sometimes I, you and I talk about it often offline or whatever and you know sometimes you read the comments and you're like seriously like what the heck man like it's either you like it or you don't or it's not helpful but like he's up on the nastiness right (laughs) you know sometimes. well i don't
1: understand that and and you guys who are listening you guys could chime in if you want but like why be negative like you guys are sitting at home not doing anything right you're listening to you know the youtube channel and you're watching what we've done if you haven't done anything and by anything i mean anything with cars Okay? Then you have no right to criticize. We're giving you free content that's outstanding, but yet at day's end you feel the need to open your yap and say <laughs> negative things.
0: No, I think I think I like the I like the criticism. I just like it constructive. I don't like the
1: no, and, and, I agree with you 100% like, on that. I mean, the hurtful
0: it, it, stuff is like seriously? Like I'm trying my best here, man. I'm not Well, there's me. no
1: reason for somebody to come on and be like, "Yeah, you know, that car sucked and you're fat."
0: Yeah, it's like, "Wait, <laughs> what? How does this even relevant? I mean, if you don't like the episode, all right, I get it. It wasn't like for me, personally, it's more like I'm trying to educate. I'm trying to help, uh, you know, sometimes people are like, "You're an idiot and I hate your hair." I'm like, "Wait, what? What does this have to do with anything I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm like, I'm really sad right now. <laughs> so I don't know. I just, if, I think if people, um, I had a, a friend that I met at a, a car show, and and he's just really into ammo and you know all all that stuff. So he, sure. his name is Dan. He's super cool, and he comes to all the, you know, the filming and stuff. And I talked to him after, uh, you know, we did like four or five episodes, and he's like, oh my gosh like 14 hour days like dead man walking and he's like i have so much i didn't realize how i'm like yeah that's why i get so sensitive when people are like you know what all these crazy you know comments or i don't know anyways and he's like i i totally see it so i i one of my big things i wanted to talk about during the podcast was you know have a perspective as to how much labor of love goes into this for zero
1: dollars let's just leave. oh well that's that. <laughs> let, yeah, let's get that out of the way right Medium. like yeah. people actually think we make money at this no. and like we make enough money to cover our expenses mm-hmm. to pay our camera guys and that's that's it there's no other money there yeah, so for those of you out there who, who are like yeah the drive guys are getting rich you you have no concept of how false that is i mean we do this because we love it we do this because we know people enjoy it um but we all have, you guys got to realize, we have day jobs. Mm. This isn't like, this isn't what we do for a living. I mean, it kind of is, but we all have, you know, three or four other jobs that we do so we can actually make this happen.
0: Speaking of that, plug 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 some of your stuff. What are you, what are you doing now? What are you writing for?
1: No, I mean, I, I you know, I, I recently got picked up by Road and Track Magazine, which is great. So I'm doing a little writing for them. Um, you know, Be more I, descriptive.
0: I, I... Come on, man. Let, let's plug your stuff. You're writing for Road & Track. By the way, people, he's writing for Road & Track, which is like, gargantuan in our little journalistic world here so if you're not if you're not gonna plug it i will what's uh what's that is that your stupid ringtone
1: that was, that was sanford's son yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> my god um what what episode geez what uh what month was it this uh,
1: one yeah i'm actually in this month's road and track magazine i just wrote a quick piece on the on the jeep SRT8. i got to drive it down at uh, the formula one track circuit of the americas um and uh, great, great truck. I mean, just a lot of fun. Had a great experience with it. Um, you know, not everybody gets to go drive on the Formula One track. So that was that was pretty trick. Um, but, yeah, and then other stuff. I mean, you know what you guys can do? You could go to my website and buy shirts. Buy T-shirts <laughs> off my baby. website Sell called MrAngryInc.com. You like how I'm plugging the crap out I of myself? I love
0: it. Use it, man.
1: Use it. You know, um, because I need money to build <laughs> other stuff. So... <laughs> go there and buy t-shirts and i'll send them to you and, and I'll, I'll even write larry's name on them for you
0: <laughs> you did that so sneakily i don't think anybody sees what you're doing there <laughs> no, I, I know it's very smooth <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um kudos to you on the um what is it car and driver road and track which one road and track road and track that was that's like for all you people out there that that's like uh that's major league baseball you know in terms of the journalistic world so that's very proud of you. Very cool. Yeah, uh, I
1: appreciate that, man. Thank you, thank and you. And you're
0: writing for um, crap, it just went out of my mind. What are you writing for now? The website?
1: Oh, Ridelust.com. Rid- but it's not really. That's more along the lines of just free expression. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't look at that and and think of anything that actually has journalistic integrity there because there's not.
0: Nice. Um, well done. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Ridelust is thrilled right now. I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't care. All right get into your uh, now that we've sidebarred talk to me a little bit about um, in all seriousness you are by far the i guess we'll call it the world's most leading let, let's see how we can uh, word this but you well, I don't think of- I'm the world's most leading anything. <laughs> but um, in terms of muscle cars um, talk to uh, me a little well, bit about the culture and all that
1: i mean it's you know when we started doing stuff like big muscle and whatnot it was you know just to kind of showcase muscle car culture as a whole and and the more episodes we film the more the more comments we get obviously and this is where the kind of youtube commenters do come in handy and we and then we and and as far as criticism goes meaning constructive criticism Mm. it's it's fantastic because they're the audience they're the people that like to see what we put out so the suggestions that people have are are unreal so i'll give you an example so when we first started we were like okay well what encapsulates muscle cars? And most people think it's from like 1964 to say 1980 or whatever the case is, right? We have new muscle cars right now, but we're think of everything post 1985. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but what does it really encapsulate? Does it mean if you have a car with a V8, it's a muscle car? Well, no. Does it mean that if you are, you know, you have a, a 71 Nova with a slant six is, or a straight six is that, does that mean it's a muscle? car? Well, no, it's, It's kind of the culture as a whole. So, for instance, is a rat rod a muscle car? Well, kind of, kind of, because it's a home-built, home-brewed thing that kind of, it takes imagination and it's powerful. Um, Is a low rider a muscle car? Well, it definitely falls into the muscle car genre because of the style, because of the talent that actually goes into building them, because of most of these guys that build these things started off as muscle car guys, I mean, big power stuff, and they kind of segued into their own genre. They created their own genre of cars. Um, What's like the
0: number one thing that, you know, constitutes a muscle? Like, is it just crazy horsepower
1: or? Um, yeah. I mean, I think when most people think muscle cars, they think straight lines and burnouts. That's what they think. Um, but the, you know, the whole, what a muscle car is, has been changing right now. You've got, you've got grand touring cars. You've got pro touring cars. You've got resto mods, You've got hot rods. You got full on customs. You've got low riders. I mean, you've got, You've got so many different subgenres of, of, of cars that fall into that one category, and it's just a question of what you like. It really is, you know what I mean? Um, you know to, you have to kind of separate it from say, vintage cars, and by vintage, I would say anything you know, kind of pre-1960, 1955, right? Mm. Um, you know, like when I think of a vintage car, I don't think of a muscle car. I think of, like, a Birdcage Maserati, or I think of, like, a 250 Luso Ferrari or something along those lines. Um, that's vintage to me, or, like, a Duesenberg. Muscle cars are...
0: Like, late 60s or something? Is that... I mean, I'm trying to think, of like, the first muscle car that I can think of, and the first thing that comes oh, up, man. of course, is, like, you know, what is it, 64 and a half Mustang or something?
1: Well, everybody thinks of... They're like, the first real one, everybody says, like, a 64 GTO um or 65 gto but then you'll have the people like the really obscure fans that come out and they're like you're out of your mind it was a 1955 rocket oldsmobile you know what i mean
0: mm, yeah that's a good point you,
1: you know so you always have those guys that like we did i'll give you an example we did a an episode on a little on it's called a little red express truck which is this this muscle pickup that came out in 1978 and like we got crushed in comments cuz guys were like you don't know what you're talking about there was a truck like these stupid obscure trucks like in 1976 they did a they made one that was a whatever with a 440 in it you know it was like, like a midnight special or something like that okay mm. and a lot of and you got to remember guys we talk to the mass audience we're not talking i mean we are to an extent but we we're, we're talking to the mass audience we're we're bringing things that people are going to know we try to give you a variety of things that we feel the public is going to like. So if we don't mention your specific car, okay, if you have like an 87 Pontiac Sunbird and we don't talk about it, don't get all mad. We don't talk about it because it's no good.
0: I wouldn't, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I think, you know, I have to say (coughs) that most of the comments, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to make a stand. I would say, almost all of the comments at least that you and I get are positive there's oh, there's, they... there's always there's the one that like rubs you the wrong way i just want to be absolutely oh god I, I don't want to feel like i'm bashing anybody because we're totally not, not 99 at all. especially mine my my comments are great and i'm really grateful for that but there's always one guy and we're talking specifically of the guy who's like you're fat and ugly and you're like right, Wait, right. that has nothing i mean if you have an argument <laughs> like you know i think this car is an actual muscle car and it's and it makes sense. Then it right. keeps the conversation going, and it's friendly, and blah blah blah. Then I, I'm all in for stuff like that, but um, yeah. Anyways, I, I don't know where I was going with all that stuff. But what do you? Here's my question to you: As you know, I have a 95 Chevy Impala. Yeah, is that the cutoff? Or is it not? Am I cool enough to be no. in the muscle car range, or am I? Yeah,
1: I mean that's. I mean, it, you know, it's interesting. Like the Impala is one of those cars that came out at a time when when people were dying for a good car, right? It was the mid 90s. So what did you, have? you had? you had. You had Mustangs and you, you know, you had Trans Ams and stuff like that. But for guys that wanted kind of that old school, big sedan feel, there wasn't anything. And when the Impala came and it was such a simple formula, right? Take a Capri sedan, lower it, put a great set of real, wheels on it, basically take the police package.
0: Put an LT1 okay? in there.
1: Put throw an LT1 yeah. and give it some grunt. And that's what they did. And they made this otherwise kind of mundane car into something that was a fantastic, not only kind of you know sinister looking muscle car but something that people could relate to and that was fast and that was comfortable and that was enjoyable to drive and that's what muscle cars were from the very beginning right yeah so that's that's one of those rare cars i mean mercury tried to do it when they came out with the marauder and but that was like a monumental failure because it was like i mean it was just ungodly slow um
0: it had no i didn't think it had a you know, a whole lot of style. Too. I mean, no. the, the Impala has like a look about it. The Marauder was was cool. It sounded all right, but it, it just looked like like an old man's car on rims yeah. with an exhaust or something.
1: I don't know. Yeah. Well, the Impala was cool, and the Impala the Impala will always be cool because it was limited. It was what three years only? I believe. No, two, 95, 96 One on the 90- one on the column, which
0: is mine, ninety five, and one on the on the floor,
1: and then center console, right? Yeah, I mean center yeah. console, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's a great car. And you guys got to realize that even by today's standards, the car's 20 years old now, even by today's standards, that car handles and drives fantastic. Yeah, it does. So that's one of those rare kind of oddball cars. I mean, you have cars from the eighties. So like, think of a uh, Buick Grand National, right? Oh, the interiors. I love those. Well, they're, they're amazing cars. The interiors. I feel were... if like
0: you've got an accident in that, it would rip you into pieces from the interiors. Like everything is angles and sharp and like i don't know the interior is a little rough but that car was cool as hell i thought
1: oh yeah yeah they were great in fact I, I have a really good friend of mine that just bought an original gnx oh. um and
0: like 330 or something 333 were made or something they, along, the, along those
1: lines they made i want to say they made like 594 and this, this is what he told me i could be wrong
0: maybe that's uh, all that exists now is 300 or something
1: yeah but they're slowly or not slowly but they're really getting high there <laughs> up you know up in value and it's it's one of those cars, right? So, like, if you went to high school in the 80s like I did, you know, those cars were – that's what was in the parking lot. Not really a GNX, but, like, you had IROC Camaros. You had notchback Mustang GTs. You had um Buick Grand Nationals. You had, you know, stuff like – you know, stuff like that. And it, that's the cars now, like, I look back and I'm like – and Larry knows this. Larry used to have a notchback trans, or Mustang. I'm trying to find one, and it's so difficult because guys that are my age that are, you know, in their 40s right now are going, I really, really want one of these cars. Mm. And it's the same way that the baby boomers went out and they per- and they picked up all these muscle cars. The guys from, you know, the, the, the 80s in that decade are, are – they're going to be, you <laughs> know, going out and picking up Mustangs and Irocs the same way that the guys from the 90s are going to be, pe- you know, picking up exactly. like transams and stuff. That's I tot-
0: I totally agree with that. I got rid of – I had an 89 LX, as you know, Mustang. Mm-hmm. I, get, I sold it to a guy. He, pay, way, he paid way too much for it. That's why I had to sell it. Um, like the story goes, in two weeks um, after he bought it, because it was all souped up and blah, blah, sure. blah, he literally wrapped it around a pole. You know, people say, oh, he wrapped it around. This guy literally, I got a, I'll got. post it up on Facebook or something. But, I mean, wrapped the car, the front of it, around a pole, and you can see the pole in the middle of the car. To boot, it was uh, the pole was at a uh, police station. Awesome. Yeah, so that was wonderful. But the point of me telling you that is, i always felt bad about getting rid of that car so i have that that sentiment right now because obviously if i had that car and, and you know i'm insane kind of oh, like it, it would be awesome you lower the car you put the, the you know wheels on it, the whole thing now now that car is hot so i'm yeah. feeling the same thing for the impala like right now the impala's got 200 and something thousand miles it runs perfect you know right. it's a big gt car so if i'm going far away or whatever i'll take that and it's kind of right now it's great, it's not like going up in value or down. it's just sure. is what it is. I think it's bottomed out. but I think you know in five or six or seven years, I think it's going to do the same thing uh you know that the that the Mustang is doing now, where it's like everybody's looking for a mustang you can you can go buy them now for like twelve fifteen, thirteen, fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars if, if i'm if I'm correct, yeah, which I mean I sold it for five thousand when uh you know a couple of years ago and that was like big money so sure i don't know i don't want to i don't want to have that same problem that i did where you're just like oh dude i wish i had that car back i mean everybody everybody has that sentiment i'm sure you sold cars you're like oh my god oh uh, yeah so it kind of goes that way all right well what else you got anything else interesting before we go
1: no not not overly interesting i mean like i said it it's it's just i wish i, I wish i did i wish i was totally more interesting than i am but i'm still so not um <laughs> you know right, cool. it's cool. just just trying to make it through another season of Big Muscle and get some good stuff out there all right brother
0: well i will uh will check in with you i don't know next week you'll we'll see how let's see how the first episode of Drive and Protect goes and for all you three people who are listening <laughs> <laughs> We'll see how it goes, and then we'll have uh, we'll have you back, and every well, week we'll do some driving culture, muscle car type of thing. And just, we can
1: yeah. talk about track preparation. Should you you prep the cars, and I race the cars? How's that?
0: That sounds that sounds good to me. I like Perfect. it. All right, brother. I will. Uh, I'll call you next week, and we'll do the same thing.
1: All right, bro. Sounds soon. like a plan. All right, I'll talk to you soon.
0: Mike is just the man. I got to tell you, he he is exactly like he is on camera as he is in real life, and vice versa. And it's uh, it's refreshing to kind of hang out with a guy who's just. I mean, what you see is what you get with Mike, and it's cool. So thanks again uh, for for being on there, Mike. All right, so let's move on to our last little thing before we go because this show is going really long. I didn't think it would be this long, but um, lots of yapping. So the last little thing is my detailing di- dilemma, and I grabbed a, 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 a question from the Internet, and someone by the name of E.S. Snow, hopefully that stands for something, um his question is hey larry i've got a couple questions for you i have some light scratches on my car a black black 11 mazda 3 and was wondering what would be the best way to go about getting rid of them they are pretty light but definitely noticeable since my car is black any direction would be awesome thanks for your help all right so essentially to start off um this is a massive massive topic but we'll try to just pick apart a little a little edge of this as we as we go through all these uh podcasts here but Um, right off the bat, black is always going to show more streaks, more streaks, more scratches than, uh, a white car and just very top level. We don't have to get super nerdy about this is a scratch essentially looks white, meaning it, when you gouge something, especially if it's clear coated car, it, the clear coat, um, is going to look whiter, even though it's clear, it's going to look white based on the reflection of the light. Now, if the background is black it makes it stands out against the white. Now, if the background is white and you were to draw on a piece of paper with a white pencil, are you going to see what you wrote? No, of course not. It blends together. But if you have a black piece of paper and you write with a white pen, you, you get my gist. So right off the bat, black looks the best in my opinion. I own two black, I actually own three black cars. Um, but it's kind of the biggest pain in the butt in the world to to keep up. So my answer to him is this. It depends on the definition of pretty light. So that's why uh, a lot of times when I answer emails or I get phone calls, it's hard to determine how good slash bad the scratch is over the phone um, because everyone's interpretation is very different, and I'm trying to figure out a way to standardize that so we can all talk the same language. But assuming we are both on the same page and it's pretty light, you would need to polish the car. So you wouldn't need to go so far as to... um, cut you know have a cutting compound or, or a microfiber cutting pad or a wool pad or whatever that you're using to actually level the paint so i call leveling the paint and polishing the paint so in this particular case if it's if it's light what i call love marks where they're not super deep and it's very top layer of the clear coat you can get away with some one-step polishes and you can do that on a da polisher um, obviously it'd be much faster with a rotary or forced um, rotation or something like that, like a flex or a ROOPS. ROOPS is enforced rotation, by the way, but um, yeah. So the very broad answer to that is you can polish the car to, to lightly level the paint um, and you should be okay. But again, uh, it's such a broad question. It's hard to tell without seeing a picture. So maybe in the future, what we'll do is um, when somebody has a question, this is a great question, by the way, too, maybe send some pictures of the car and then uh, when I talk about, it, I'll direct people. Hey, you know, say go to my go to the Facebook page, check out this, and we can talk about the car that we're both looking at at the same time. If that makes sense, I think it'll help the learning curve go up. But we'll uh, we'll have we'll answer more questions. This is it for me on the first podcast. Um, this is this has been fun. It's been a learning experience, um, and the comments have been great. And I'm really grateful for uh, everybody's support. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, keep the comments, uh, constructive criticism, if you will, uh, coming along. And I hope this, uh, is received well. And if it is, we'll keep doing it. If not, then, you know, we'll crush it and move on to something else. And, um, you know, just keep playing around with cars because that's the fun part. So I look forward to chatting with you guys again. Maybe it'll be weekly. Maybe it'll be bi-weekly. Maybe it'll be monthly. I'm not really sure. We'll see how, um, how it goes and, and we'll go from there. Thanks again for listening. If you want to contact me, go through Facebook, which is facebook.com Uh, ammo nyc that's my facebook page or you can email me at larry at ammo or visit my uh, website and email me through there thanks again and post up some questions for me on facebook and we'll be sure to answer it on the next podcast until then i will talk to you guys soon thanks bye